It can be kind of using people at the same Roman. time. Roman! Hey! I saw that was your spicy pick. Yeah, well, that's, have to read it it's not. Is it? It's not. How Roman. spicy is it? It's not. I haven't read it. I've heard about you. You're a Roman. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Justin, the long right? dick of the long dick of the comics place, Can right? Can I get one? Roman is it? You have soft hands. Yeah. You must be a tender lover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you got the smell of the wild side in you too. I don't have a workable intro out of all of that yeah. fucking horrible conversation <laughs> yeah, that we just it. had, but everyone, welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode 110. Can you fix the lights for me? 110. 110 episodes. Roman, how are your levels? You looking good? You looking check one, check two? How are my levels? I, I don't know. Check one, check two, check, check one, three? Check two, check very 16. Good. Oh, check 16. No, this check 16. Right no, it is, it is. Yeah, it is. That is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lights are perfect. You know... The atmosphere is fine. Um, episode 110, Perfectly Settled Podcast, comic book podcast. Well, a comedy podcast masquerading as a comic book podcast. It's a stoozer of a podcast. It's a stoozer, my doozer. Um, <laughs> where every Tuesday we pick up a whole bunch of comic books from the Diamond Comic Book Facilities. That No, it's UPS. Uh, they send them to us. We pick them all up. We count them, sort them, get excited about them. We go home. We read them. We come back here to this precious... Oh, Roman found a stuffed unicorn. Spoilers for who's here. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we come up here after working all Wednesday and seeing all of our favorite people, and we, just this sort of precious sanctum sanctorum, and we engage in a variety of tangents about the store, uh, the comics, and the comings and goings of our lives. I am Jeff Figley, and I'm kind of feeling some stuff that this might be like the last or second to last podcast we record in this room since we got that sweet recording studio. Oh my gosh. We better make this a good one then. Who are you? I'm Justin and I put chili on it. He put chili on it. I put chili up on it. Roman. Put chili up on tell it. Tell me who you are. I'm Roman Figley and Oh my god, <laughs> my dreams. And I like some chili. Oh. I don't I absolutely dislike chili, but I like throwing some chili up on it. Really? You know? I like turkey chili. Turkey and I know chili. I like turkey oh, yeah. chili. I know like there's a lot of folks, chili. especially in Texas, that that's not real chili. But yeah, I don't I like, like real chili. chili. I like fake chili. Yeah, I, you know, beef is just heavy. Yeah, it's too yeah, much, it and I think yeah. it tastes like dirt. I like chili sometimes. like with no meat at all, just the beans. That's fine. You're yeah. the perfectly acceptable podcast. Uh, we, we don't we don't really get down with beef, boys. Well, no, we do when no. we're getting down with beef. Yeah, I do like a burger, but beef chili. And you know, I do like pepperoni. I mean, chili in the way that like you throw chili on it is just getting a little extra. F- Everyone, Roman just said I do like pepperoni. It's worth mentioning that yesterday Justin came downstairs, threw his shirt over Roman's head, <laughs> like you do, then went back upstairs to get some books, and uh, Roman said, "Man, after being Justin's shirt, I really want some pizza," which is pepperoni. You said, I think I said pepperoni pizza. Yeah, you did say pepperoni pizza. Yeah. Sorry, not yeah, just I've, pepperoni. Okay, that's the sentence that's been rolling around in my mind on Ouroboros the whole time. Be- <laughs> because Why? today, Justin and I craved pizza so bad that I went to Little Fucking Caesars and got us a $6 <laughs> thin crust pizza. It was great, though. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, eating pizza with my boy is good. It is. It I've never looked sweet. at my own nipples as much as I have in the past 24 hours. Well, Justin and I both assumed that Roman's thing about pizza was a th- reference to Justin's nipple looking like pepperoni. I didn't see your nipple. My Your nipple is behind me. Justin's nipple is exposed. I see it. 
It's not. Oh, it's like Bronze it's not like, <laughs> it was. It was fine. It was great. No, they're not pepperoni like that. But I think it's just because of the smell. Maybe it was. This, it was something about the smell. Yeah. But like, I don't think that you smell like pepperoni. I don't particularly think so either. But is it because you think I'm spicy? I do. Oh, at that moment, I was I'll in. I was in your way. shirt, and you left, and I was just just like mm, pepperoni craving. Oh, I'm wow. Turn my phone off. I'm getting all sorts of buzzing messages. Well, the know, lines are. The lines are. What's that phrase for when the lines blinking. are really busy? The lines are buzzing. Yeah, yeah. sure. That's, that's um, it. So, listen, we're going to talk about some po- some comic books here because this is a comic podcast. Well, it's a comedy one parading is a comic book podcast. But uh, we don't want to spoil or ruin your comic book reading experience. So if you have not read the following books, pause it and go read your books. Or, you know, there's nothing huge in any of these issues that are spoiler-worthy. So just sort of bear with us, hang out, have some fun. Uh, this week we're going to talk about Return of Wolverine number three. I just realized we haven't done an order for books yet. Fantastic Four number four, Dead Man Logan one, Amazing Spider-Man ten, Heroes in Crisis three, Action Comics one thousand five, and The Warning one, and probably a couple other things. We're going to hear about Ironheart number one. So yeah, we're going to spoil them. So uh, you know, whatevs. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about first? I think it's probably definitely Heroes in Crisis. Do we want to talk about that first? Maybe we should anchor it with that. I have, uh, Let's I talk know. about Action Comics first. Ooh, this yeah. This is so good. Oh, my God. Roman, I have not <laughs> seen you since we sorted all these books. You liked Action since Comics? Since Tuesday? I haven't seen Yeah, since yesterday. I don't know. Like, usually <laughs> it seems like a I... Tuesday s- morning till now, is, there's a well, lot Usually, usually we have Monday it. night together because of WWE Raw. So we would see that. I didn't do that. And then we would have Tuesday together. Yeah. And we both had to get out promptly at 3 yesterday. Yep. And let's be honest, he was fucking late to this podcast. And I was, yeah, my, my bad. I'm sorry. I was late. I was <laughs> half an hour late. So, That's I true. mean, yeah, You know I'm who's late. never late? Superman. <laughs> and Superman. Thank you for getting us out of that. <laughs> This, Brian Michael Bendis script, Ryan Sook art and cover, which I love Ryan Sook's Superman. I don't even know who he is. He's done Superman Superman? Stuff. He's been around since 1938. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was locked and loaded. Yeah. He's doing um, those awesome variant covers on Heroes in Crisis that are all the photographs of traumatic moments for superheroes yeah. I think are amazing. Yeah, and in, the, and in this one, it's just, there's some throwbacks. It starts off, there's somebody in a bar, they're trying to... He's trying to pawn off the Dial H for Hero dial, which I thought was cool because yeah. I love that old Dial H for I've Hero I've never stuff. read any of that, but I've known through talking to you what it is, and I think it's pretty pretty endearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's going on, and we get the return, apparently the return of a classic DC before that Charlton <laughs> Comics character, which is very exciting. <gasps> especially... <gasps> Should we, should, we, should we spoil it? Just yeah, do it, Roman. Do it. Pull the trigger. It's, I, I couldn't believe it. Turn the Who pages. Is it? I was like, I have I was a question like, for you. I, I was like, is this, is, is this, the, and it is. The answer is the question. I oh, fucking love that. Love the question. Yeah, apparently it's the original question. I mean, Renee Montoya's the question was great, but apparently this is the original dude. The one do we Ro- think so? It the was... one Rorschach is based on. Yeah, this it, is Vic. Vic, Sav- Vic Sage. Vic, Vic Sage. Oh. I'll say. Who was dead. That it was, but. I was a little confused throughout that whole sequence. Yeah. By just... Just the the, the storytelling itself. I, I mean, it was super, super awesome, but he, like, showed up behind him, okay. and then this vortex did open up in the <laughs> phone, but they also said that the phone was bunk and not real, and didn't... Maybe he didn't get sucked into the phone, but that paneling... Does look like he's getting sucked into the phone. It does. Though I thought that was just a, a 
you're representational right. thing. I see yeah. that now, and he's beating the shit out of him, and he's in his hand, not through the phone. So my bad. Yeah. It's yeah, a flourish. I, and I didn't it's know. Who, I didn't know who this woman was. This apparently she's some kind of gang boss, maybe. I think I was confusing I her with it. what's her name on the first season of Gotham. Um, I forget uh, the woman's name. <laughs> Montoya? No, no, Montoya. the criminal. The criminal, like. But it doesn't matter. Criminal. So the she, big thing that happened in this issue was that. Well, so I guess fire fire chief lady um, was telling us a story about when she yeah. went to. Uh, sorry, what is her name? Good something good. G O O D E. More. More. Deputy M-O-O. chief. More. Somebody else yeah. is good. Is the person that he works with good? Maybe. Oh yeah, just deputy chief Moore is the fire. Okay. The, the redheaded fire chief. More and good, both ending with an E. Um, the yeah, the deputy fire chief. More uh, had gone to some sort of gala event with the mayor, and the mayor turns out to be kind of just a scummy person who says as soon as superheroes are sort of involved in things, they become dead mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, there are moral issues instead of political issues or crime issues. And Superman then fights that red cloud who showed up a couple times, and it turns out to be... Good. The deputy, the reporter that he works with at the Daily Planet, that's sort of been a part of this story so far. Yeah, and there's always been something a little, maybe off about that reporter. She was like faking to cry with him. I don't know. Oh yeah, I even remember her in one of the issues that I read, and I don't. I don't. I don't know. She didn't seem trustworthy. This didn't seem like a very surprising or big reveal. I was like, yeah, right. That's that makes sense. That's her. So yeah, I don't know. And the fight between them was cool. That but, sounded like I wasn't super into it. I really, really liked this issue. I this run is so much fun. I like her outfit. It's a great outfit. Um, I liked this issue a lot too. It was it was a good read. It was a lot of fun. There wasn't anything in it that made me go like, oh, Bendis, like there often is in <laughs> some of his work. Is there any chance that Roman thinks he doesn't like Bendis more than he actually doesn't like? There, Bendis? there's a there's a chance. But except some Bendis stuff, I just hate. Right. Oh. I think sometimes he has some genuinely bad moments. Yeah, I used I to hate so Bendis until I read Good Bendis, and then I really liked. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the idea of the Invisible Underground, like people that are are they a gang that is trying to hide from Superman? Like they're they're completely yeah. they don't tell each other who they are because I like the idea of crime trying to operate under like okay he's every like he's God we yeah. just have to be super sneaky and we have to be really careful and it's. Have they ever been brought up before, Roman? No, this is new to, as far as I know, to Bendis's run. In, like, issue two or three, they were in that same, like, lead tank yeah. having a meeting. Yeah, like, and I really a... love that. Yeah. that they Because that's so, like, Silver Age or even earlier, like, the Max Flesher cartoons of the 40s. Such a weird villain thing. Yeah. It's so clever. They meet in this lead, t- this lead tank in this guy's mansion so Superman can't, because he can't see through lead. Yeah. He can't see them. I really like that. It gives, you know, I like thinking about how crime operates when you have a semi-omnipotent or all-powerful <laughs> yeah. character. Like, this is what criminals would have to do, and it's it's cool to see criminals operating in a way like, okay, we can't beat Superman. Let's just have ways to avoid him, as yeah. well as they're, like, pilfering superpower stuff. Yeah, um, I do like how much he's thrown just sort of casual arcane elements of DC past, you know, like the Dial H for Hero thing, or like they'd gotten some kryptonite earlier on, like that that same woman tried to. It's a nice change compared to Superman fighting Brainiac, Bizarro, yeah. or any like giant mega thing. Or it's Rogel Czar. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. cool to be like, okay, well, Superman does live in the world and does have 
day-to-day bad guys and criminals in Metropolis. And the question is fucking awesome. Yeah, I hope that yeah. for you know, whatever reason the, hero, the question becomes more of a part of this. Yeah. I hope it is Vic Sage and not just a, a new like third question. I don't give a shit. I love that character so much. I, From the first time I saw that skin face mask, I was just like, that's yeah. so cool. I know. I thought for a second it was Rorschach. And oh, I was like, yeah. Jesus, they're putting that doomsday clock. But no. Um, well, it kind of is him since it's based on. The art at the gala, it's all yellow except for her mm. dress, which is glo- like glowing sequence. And then her hair is orange. Like that. I, that coloring I thought was really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. that's a beautiful spread there. And, and the, their dialogue, the mayor just saying, oh, well, you got Superman involved. Well, your invest- the investigation is now over. And then just <laughs> Superman flying around at night. This whole series has had a really, I, probably the same colorist, but the same sort of palette for the blues and the reds and the flat reds. It's gorgeous. It's good to see Superman at night, too. And you, you know, know Wonder Woman's yeah. at this gala? Or is yeah, that somebody dressed like that. Wonder Woman? I think it's her. I guess it's actually her. But it's cool that she's there in two panels, but they don't bother. She doesn't have any dialogue. She's not important to the story. And I dug that when uh, the fire chief Moore uh, did talk to Superman or Clark Kent, I like Clark's characterization there. He yeah. had an amount of confidence, but he also played the like, you know, knowing Superman, but also not being Superman thing really well. Yeah, yeah, he's not the super bumbling, annoying like, oh, I'm yeah. Clark Kent. Um, <laughs> He he seems like a legitimate reporter, and it also seems like he's trying to do his job well. Like he wants yeah. to help this person as a reporter. Which yeah, is when he has that scene earlier, the planet with that reporter who ends up being Red Cloud, just the kind of journalism lessons he kind of peppers in there, and his confidence. He even takes off his glasses, which he did that. I'm like, oh my gosh, don't do that. She'll recognize you. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, that's like Silver Age thinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do, what do you guys get? I mean, so Justin, you dug it quite a bit. Getting sort of come in on Action Comics. You think this is a good spot maybe to jump on, you were thinking? Uh, well, it just seems like one, bigger stories wrapping up and we're kind of getting some seeds sown for the next couple issues. Um, so I just, I've been wanting to hop on an Action Comics, but I don't like hopping into a big story part of the way through and having to play catch up. Um, and it seems like I'm, it, this book was good enough to make me be like, whatever, I'm just going to read it from this issue on. Um, I, I really like this series, and even with that, the issues, it hasn't felt like it's had a direction yet, which is not a criticism. It Like, issue one is very introductory. Issue two, some stuff happened. Issue four is mostly like him hanging out with Lois, who's been gone since the end of Man of Steel, and then she comes comes back, and they hump the whole issue and have relationship talks, which are real nice. That's good. Um, but yeah, it's, I, yeah, I, I think you could read any one of these. I think you've actually, you know, read a good portion of it. So please yeah. come on this journey with us. Yeah, I love Superman. I love Superman. I love the question. This art is pretty snooked out, which apparently I'm into. I'm pretty into the the snooked out. Yannick Paquette did one. Yeah. Doug, no, Patrick Gleason did one, and it was my favorite Patrick Gleason mm. art I, we've seen. Um, I like Gleason. Yeah, it's it's been a really interesting array of color or artists, and I think the same colorist, so it unifies the whole thing in a really nice way. Yeah, I'll give it a seven point five. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I, I there are obviously some moments I felt pretty lost on, um, and some of the paneling, the bigger paneling, was slightly hard to follow. But other than that, it was a really really good read. It's would uh, you say it torched? It it slightly torched me. I feel like it sort of torched. Yeah, it kind of reached out and torched. Me, <laughs> you know, like like literatures can sometimes do. Like literatures want to do. Literatures are known to reach out and touch you in vulnerable stages of your life in creating pivotal 
Toit jinx. Owen, what was your most impressionable age, Owen? Well, when I was seven years old. What touched you, Owen? <laughs> what literature was it? Lewis Carroll's uh, Through the Alice and Louis. Yeah. Do you know? Roman, what do you give it? <laughs> uh, uh, I'll give it an eight. Eight, eight, eight. I'm going to give it an eight also. It torched me. It torched me. It's just... Eight times? It torched me eight times. <laughs> I love... I love it. I love. I just love. I love getting to read a book and issues and just be confident that it's a good run that's going. Yeah, and I really like the fact that I'm really liking action comics and Superman for the most part. I'm like, eh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's strange. Every time I've read an action comics, I'm always like, Bleh. Mm-hmm. and it's good to like. It's cool to root for that that side of the Superman team. And even Morrison wrote action comics, and we were still like, mm. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you guys, we have to talk about the Fantastic Four. Do we? Fantastic Four number four. Can we, can, Roman? Can you tell me your feelings on this issue? Yeah, I yes because I just read it like a little while ago. Um, irreplaceable. I liked it. I've, I've liked every issue so far, but I like this one. They're back in New York after their space adventure thing. Um, there have been some replacement dudes for the FF that turned out were were hired. Um, they hired the wrecking crew to fight these guys and make them look good. They're headquartered out of the Baxter building now. It was a fun issue. You got to see the FF in action again back on Earth, not fighting the cosmic menace, just you know, back on Earth, kind of reconnecting. Um, the cool thing is when they show up and there's these replacements, Johnny's pissed off about it. And, Ben's, and Ben and uh, Franklin are just like, yeah, I got better things to do, and they take off. You guys, <laughs> you guys can handle this. <laughs> and Johnny, of course, is all mad about it. Um, it was a fun read. I gotta be honest, I didn't like it very much. It didn't really? hit right for me. No, it felt weird. The whole thing felt kind of off for me, and I fell asleep during it. Um, <laughs> and I think mine might be buoyed by the fact that I am, like, I've been hitting the Hickman one really hard, mm. which it's like my favorite, maybe, comic run of all time. Oh, yeah. So, I don't really care for the voices in this. Yeah, the voices felt weird, and I'm not like a... a for Nishiato. I like the first two issues I think were better and nice. then I don't know this one it took forever to like get back to like their whole sort of sending people off that planet to me took way too long I didn't like that this is the second time that they've had one of those moments like wait that didn't count Asterix it will you'll see the story next year like, that's funny I thought of you when I read that and I thought oh, I bet that annoys Jeff <laughs> you were annoyed by it the last time and it was in an issue and I didn't read three was I? Yeah, you're the one who was annoyed by that. I thought that. you were the one who was annoyed no, by No, I didn't read number three. Oh, no, I'm looking forward to the Iceman story now once they reveal it someday. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't read three yet, so this was my no. first exposure to it, and I immediately thought of when you were not into it last time, mm. and so I was like, Roman oh. Arbet was annoyed by that. Weird. Um, <laughs> I don't like that either. Yeah, it, it's just, to me, it seems like they didn't get Marvel 2-in-1 out fast enough, and these are stories that will show up in Marvel 2-in-1 or something. Like, I, I don't know yeah, what it... Yeah, somewhere, because this week was also the last issue of Marvel 2-in-1. Oh, is that the last issue? Yeah. Okay, well, then not that one. And I guess I just want to read the Fantastic Four, and this, sim- even like the Franklin and Ben going off was like, I want to I want to hang out with the Fantastic Four. I don't want to, like, break off in different pieces. I'm, Didn't they have? I'm bummed that Franklin and Valeria are as old as they are. That's yeah. a real That is jarring, because, yeah, they've been gone for five years, but they look like 
they're like seven or eight years yeah. older. <laughs> she was five years old when they left. So if it's Is been that? five years, not that like whatever, it's comics, so timelines, but like she's like 14 and kind of like Reed says, like you're dumb around that boy, which I, I don't know about that, but like she just doesn't, I like super brilliant child Valyria. Yeah. There's a really cool family dynamic to the Fantastic Four, and to me this uh, doesn't really have any of those voices in a way that I enjoy. I also didn't love the art, but I did like the first two issues. I think that it's a really harsh juxtaposition between reading this at at the same time as, like, my favorite comic ever, which is also these characters. Yeah, that would would be tough because it's definitely not – no Hickman. Um, And I see what you say about the voices because, like – like Reed especially has, except for when he has this little talk with Valeria, other than those moments, he has no personality or gravitas. Yeah. And you know what I don't issue. like is when, and it feels like Dan Slott to me, which is just like, man, I think that older people just think that they like bring up the internet because they assume the youth is on the internet. So like he's doing <laughs> yeah. the like, well, you know, did you post about this on whatever when the, the stand-in team who's worried about being popular says that? And it's just like, dude... You're out of touch with how much internet culture is a thing. Like, it's it's yeah. n- not everyone is on. It's sort of like an adult that seems like they don't know how kids really are, and they think they're all on the internet. So if they say Instagram, then they're relevant, which mm-hmm. isn't to me. Yeah, it felt a little dated there. Uh, I feel like I've seen another thing he's out of touch on is imposter stories, man. Every time I've seen an imposter story, I just instantly check out and I fell asleep. Like, oh, the imposter team. Like, that has been done. Can we collectively as a comic person – or if someone out there is a fan of imposter stories, please let me know. <laughs> I do not see the appeal. I, w- I just wanted that to be done. And then I was yeah. like, oh, it's kind of clever. They hired all these people. But even the way that, like, Valeria brought it up and then reads, like, so Valeria wants to go by Brainstorm now, which yeah. I also – am not super in love with but then reed says good work brainstorm i was wondering when you'd figure it all out which is like did you already know that reed then why didn't you say anything yeah. also isn't valeria more intelligent than reed that's these are the she smartest was she was that yeah and that's what he says that in this issue when he's talking to her yeah i didn't like that line of dialogue for me either because it's like geez these are the smartest people in the marvel thing. u and it took a uh entire issue to realize they were being punked and I, I guess I did. I do like that they're. I forgot that Ben owns the like those apartments on Yancey Street, and so yeah. now they get they they don't have the Baxter Building, which I forgot. But that's part of like Spider Man history, which is a bummer. I don't know. I that I, part I, I liked because when they're getting off that planet where they're fighting the Griever and Spider Man's about to be teleported out, he's he's like, oh wait, and by the way, yeah, no, that was funny. Yeah, yeah. I like that part. God, I was gonna yeah. say my favorite thing in this issue is when they're on the rooftop talking at the end of the issue but then i realized that was no that's in marvel two and one <laughs> which i read these back to back yeah i don't mean to rain on your parade i did like the first two issues i don't know if i just like this one less or if i'm just reminded of how really incredible i feel about like about the other story and this one just didn't raise up to it but i want the fantastic four back that's what's exciting to me and i guess pushing it forward is a good call or, or changing the dynamic is you know a good call to make it interesting but if we're celebrating the Fantastic Four coming back, bring the Fantastic Four back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, I, I do like some of Dan Slott's plotting and story elements. I don't always like his dialogue and stuff. Um, and, like, Fantastic Four just has the most colorful cast of things that can happen in a book. So I kind of chalk it up to being connective tissue or finding his feet, you know? I, and I totally agree. Because, like I said, I, I did like the first two. I think this is just sort of... 
you know, we got to get to the next part, and that's what this is. Oh, I'm going to be all cute, and I'm going to give it a... I want to give it a four. I liked it more than a four, though. You could give it an eight, which is four times two. I don't. I didn't like it that much. Okay. It was the weakest of the four issues so far. <laughs> I'm going to go six. It was a six to me. Six, I, I, yeah, I think six it was fine. Good. I think it would be... I think it's better not surrounded by really good Fantastic mm. Four comics. Yeah. No, six is good. And it rhymes with Fantastics. That's the name of the imposter team. I'll give it a five. Um, it could honestly be lower. Lower. I thought the voices were pretty off at times. Obnoxious. I fell asleep, but I do like the Fantastic Four. And it's, <laughs> Me too. It's good to see the family. Fucking Dragon Man. Um, the kids. I love the kids <laughs> so much. Can we talk about Amazing Spider-Man number ten? Did everybody read that? I, I read did. it. You, you, um, how did every, how did everyone feel about this one? I actually liked Meh. it. You were man on it? Meh. I liked it quite a bit, but I was very meh on the Thieves Guild stuff. The yeah. Thieves Guild stuff doesn't... It's... Yes. I was just bored by that. I love seeing Black Cat. I really love... So basically this wraps up this Thieves Guild thing where all these superpowers or superhero tech and stuff has been getting stolen, all sorts of stuff in the Marvel Universe. And it's been Black Cat and the Thieves, this sort of Thieves organization. And, well, Spider-Man and Black Cat team up to take him down. But while that's happening, Mary Jane goes to this, like, support group sponsored or led by Jarvis, the butler from the Avengers, of people just sort of dealing with... It's the people who are in relationships with superheroes. And I thought that was a really brilliant idea. There are a lot of support yeah. groups out there, and I think they're really beneficial. And it was so good in the way that Mary Jane talked about it so a lot of the fight even with the Thieves Guild is Mary Jane's monologue over the top of that, sort of talking about how Peter being a superhero has gotten in the way of their relationship, but she's learned to love that. But what it's taken her longer to love is that she's just sort of a regular person compared to this fantastic person. And how can she compare with people like the Black Cat or other superheroes? Like, how can she be as special as them? And Jarvis has this wonderful talk with her afterwards where he refers to her as indispensable. And then at the end there, there's this really great moment with the black cat and Peter on the roof of a building. And the black cat is just talking about how, like, I used to know you. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, but, like, I don't really remember you at all now. And he says, like, oh, yeah, like, too many people knew my identity and I had to make a deal and everyone forgot who I was. And she's like, but I deserve better than that. Yeah. And that was so poignant and so true and so heartfelt. And then when Peter like stood up and takes his mask off, he's like, I'm Peter Parker, but I do really want you to keep calling me Spider because that is awesome. <laughs> and then he goes home to Mary Jane, who he loves, and tells her, like, hey, like I was just being a good buddy, but I did tell Black Cat my identity today. And Mary Jane's like, yeah. And he's like, I still love you. And she's like, I know, I'm indispensable. And it was just so... I teared up. I teared yeah, up when I was just yeah. reading the Mary Jane monologue. Yeah, that was great. Um like you, I don't care about the Thieves Guild. That was all boring. And I, and as usual, I don't like Ramos's art, but I love the dialogue in this. Peter, Mary Jane, Black Cat, all their dialogue was great. Even Spider-Man doing his stupid like kind of joking in the background and between and Black Cat and the leader of the Thieves Guild are arguing in Spider-Man's background going, "Well, oh, you know, it sounds like 
you're not saying the hyphen when in my name, Spider-Man. Yeah, there's a slight hesitation between I saw, words. <laughs> I saw a crazy clickbait article this week and someone said like, you know, you were right. Nick Spencer finally makes Spider-Man a Nazi in this issue. And then he goes in and says, a grammar Nazi. And because he's talking about that hyphen there. And uh, I thought that was funny. That is. Um, yeah, I like, I like the voices for these characters quite a bit. Um, to me, this book is, it's more charming and good rather than it is interesting. Like, there's never been a plot point that has made sure. me intrigue me. But I do, and I think that's why I haven't read every issue, I do really enjoy Peter's voice in this and his interpersonal um, dynamics. I just don't care where the story's going, and it feels rudderless at times. But it's really, you know, I think it. Peter sounds the most like my head Peter in I this totally than, I, agree. than I have in a long time. So, And it's... I enjoyed it. I really like a slow burn build up to maybe caring about a villain and thus a plot. And I hope that's what's going on because that's the best Ramos villain I've seen in a long time. Dude, when he introduced the character, it was really good. Yeah, like, I, he made Kingpin all. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, hmm. it was really. Good. I give this one a nine, and that's it's a weird rating for me, but it is really that emotional stuff. It made me cry as I was reading it uh, last night, and if you can do that. You, you're immediately in that top percent for me. Nine tears. Nine tears jerked. Oh, I, uh, I'll give it 7.5 big dong centipedes. Whoa. Yeah. Centipede uh, dong. Yeah, so they can reach out and twitch me. Oh, um, God, Justin. <laughs> yeah. I didn't oh. realize that's what you're talking about with twitches. Yeah, centipedes. <laughs> Dude, have I told you how much I fucking hate centipedes? No, but they're disgusting. They're Their terrifying. Their bodies, like... Anyway, yeah, sorry. I there was a video of a centipede like taking water from its little antenna and drinking it off of it and getting more water and drinking its water and like watching it go down and like and Aaron was showing it to me and I was like being reviled. It was disgusting. It was horrible. I hate centipedes. So um, I like knowing that about you. I didn't yeah, know that. They, they freak me out, dude. How um, many centipede droplets of water do you get, Roman? <laughs> Um, in your mouth. Uh, <laughs> um, I will give it 7.5. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would actually get higher, but I, I just, I don't like Ramos's art. Did everybody read The Warning? Did just Justin Eiley read The Warning? Warning. I did not read it. The Warning, Warning by LaRoche. This was a book that I was relatively excited about this week. It's written and drawn and colored all by the same guy. I really like when one person takes the entire duty of a comic book, and it's an indie creator. It had a real sort of almost profit-like look, but I sort of just say that to pigeonhole a group of creators. Um, Simon Roy-esque and like... The cover and the marketing looks very... And yeah, it looks very European comic. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Um, Justin, walk us through it. God, me? I mean, just uh, everything about it. Your feelings, whatever. Um, gosh. Warning. This is a mediocre review of a mediocre comic. <laughs> um, soldier guy has some vague, waxing, poetic thoughts on reincarnation and being a soldier. Um, aliens, military, tough guy things, airplanes, random uh, title pages that show time, like entire pages to tell you jumps in time and... I thought those were really obnoxious. It really brought me out of the storytelling, the random, like, die, honor, like, these things. Yeah, we get, like, basically it's four sequences, and it's, like, 
like one week ago or something, a thing happens, yeah. and it's like a month ago. Yeah. Like a full page saying that, and you get a sequence, and then another full sequence of like three months ago, <laughs> and then like a sequence, and then six months ago. And I thought that was excessive. Like, you're not Jonathan Hickman, so don't try to be. Well, yeah. But that sucks. Be whoever you want to be. I'm sorry. Do your thing. But um, I but I did like the story unfolding in a backwards way like that. It's yeah. not the most unique thing, but I, 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 I like you know, things being redefined by something that further explains it, but happening beforehand, that's kind of cool, but none of the things that happened really fell right to me. Yeah, when you kind of chop and screw a book, when you make things move around in time, it's a very quick and easy way to get me interested. I like being having people play with my, like, perception of what's going on. Um, and from, like, a technical standpoint, he didn't do it too bad. It just, there was nothing, inter in, like, there was no interesting content or characters in it for me. So I was like, meh. Yeah, it was definitely one in one ear, uh, sort of out the other. And they don't, they do a lot of tell and not a lot of fucking show. Like, aliens, invasion, you know, you're, it's all through di science dialogue. Like, uh. And it's not pictures that, the art is totally proficient, but it's yeah. also, like, never really is visually telling you what's going on. I don't know. It, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I'm not super into military-focused stuff, though I think the art is not bad. And like I said, some like the jumps were – I've seen worse time jumps in a yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, they, they worked in a way that it made sense for the sequence to be elaborating the previous sequence. Yeah. Um, but I was disappointed. It reminded me of a uh, less sophisticated – just a, a, a less proficient war analysis. Yeah. I'll give it a four. Yeah, I'll go five. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a pretty weird week of books this week. I don't yeah. really know why. It you know if it wasn't for a hand, a, a couple books at the end there, I was feeling pretty bummed on comics this week. But then I read Action and Spidey late, and uh, and Heroes in Crisis I started my week with. So like I read it way earlier than everything, and uh, that that's right. We'll get back. We'll get to that one. Uh, Roman, did you read Ironheart? I did. Can you tell me about that? I liked it, and I it was, it was a very pleasant surprise. I don't really know much about <clears throat> really Riri Williams Ironheart because I didn't read that run of Iron Man where she is introduced or where she took his place. I read place. the beginning of it, but it really did kind of lose track. Yeah, that was Bendis's stuff, and he that was at the end of his tenure with Marvel. Hmm. Okay, so I wasn't familiar with her other than um, her appearances in Champions. Which I like those because it kind of showed that she was this brilliant teenager, but very socially awkward and didn't necessarily like engaging with people. And I thought that was something maybe a little bit fresh for a teenage superhero team having one member that's like that. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we hear we see more of that in this, and you just get a real good feeling for who she is, her brilliance and her her. I don't want to say issues, societal issues, but... Her personal struggles. Yeah, yeah, her personal struggles that, you know... And she's working for this company. The boss is a dope. It's all pretty pretty interesting. Good science in it. Good action. I um, brought back another Spider-Man villain that we haven't seen in a while. Who? I can't remember his name. Uh, Clash. Clash? Okay. Clash, the sound guy that they introduced in fairly recently, like huh, a yeah. couple, within the last few years. The art is very good. Yeah, who's I the like artist? the art. Um, the art is Kevin Labranda and Luciano Vecchio. 
Um, it, it is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I have a problem where if I'm not necessarily loving a book and I've stopped reading it, like Marvel does so many new volumes of things, starting things back at number one, that I can be like, well, I wasn't liking that before, so I won't necessarily like it now. But a writer change is a big deal. And I, I do think that... I would, you know, Bendis' creative output at Marvel had really declined right before he left. Mm -hmm. Things were just kind of had lost a lot of focus. So yeah, that one had I wasn't super interested into her uh, after the first couple issues, but I'm glad that with a new writer it did step up, and I do I do look forward to reading it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. It's to hear. well worth it. And I like the costume; it's pretty unique. And Brayden pointed out that her fight with the bad guy, she takes him out pretty passively the whole time. Like, it's not a super yeah. brawly. She, she's, cool. she's not really trying to hurt the guy. She's just trying to destabilize the guy. Um, and I think that's very cool. What do you give it, Roman? I'll give it an eight. Ooh. Eight iron gauntlets. Mm. Wow. Roman. Dropping the gauntlet. Yeah. What, did, what were your thoughts on Marvel 2 and 1? That's the final issue? Uh, apparently. Um, and yeah, I got it confused, as we heard earlier. I, all my favorite FF moments this week were in Marvel 2 and 1. Um, and yeah, it's the... I think it's the last issue. At the very end, it says, The End! Exclamation point. And then the next page is, The Adventures of the FF Continue in... Yada, 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 yada. None of which are Marvel 2 and 1. Huh. Um... So I think this is the last issue. There's no so text page saying that. So how do you think that. they're going to incorporate those Fantastic Four stories into Fantastic Four? Like those, you'll what? find out next year. Like, is it that Dan Slott's going to tell some stories maybe, that or took maybe, place in the years that they've maybe, been Maybe, or maybe there's going to be another, a new spinoff FF series. Maybe that there's going to be an Iceman hmm. one-shot. Maybe that will be told in his own oh, book. Oh, yeah, maybe that's in Cena Grace's book. Oh yeah, because he's got his that own could, solo. Book oh, that right could now. be. Maybe that's why. I think Slot's it would be just hinting at it because he doesn't want to. Yeah, if that's it, that's much cooler to me than like I'm yeah. going to tell this story later. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's just Dan Slott going, "Hey, hey, pay attention to Iceman. Mm -hmm. What's coming up?" Because there's not enough people reading it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this issue, Marvel Two and One, uh, Sue realizes that. Her and Johnny haven't just spent like one-on-one -on -one bro brother sister time, so she says to him during breakfast one day with all of everybody there, you know, let's go out and spend the day together, and reconnect, and that's what they do, and it's great dialogue. They go out on a shopping trip because apparently Johnny and Sue used to love going on little shopping trips, and of course the mole man attacks and they have to deal with that, um. And it's it's very original because he attacks, but then the person who betrayed Johnny and Ben and stole the multisect in earlier issues, she shows up and helps them defeat the Mole Man, and you find out what her full motivations were in the earlier her issues. Motivations? <laughs> in the earlier issues, and she's a much more complex character than we've been led to believe. Um had a good bounce of action, dialogue. There's some great dialogue at the end with Ben and Johnny and with Sue and Johnny. Reed kind of gets short shrift in this one, too. <laughs> and, and, and It's hard to write good Reed. It is. And you used to, and it's really you, hard and, to write smart characters yeah, and, if you're not and, smart. Yeah, and you used to talk about that, too, and I agree. Hickman does a great Reed, and it's hard to think who else 
Roy Thomas, I guess. When um, you write characters or create characters that are smarter than you, it sucks. As someone who tried to write <laughs> char- like characters that are supposed to be really smart, I'm like, well, fuck, I have to write better now. And I think that yeah. Hickman got it easy because, A, he's horrifically intelligent, like super intimidatingly intelligent. Um, but I also think that he was basically writing Dr. Doom and Reed as the sort of two voices in his head. Yeah. Like sort of the coldly analytical intelligent guy and then the guy who also has a family and children and lets like knows that that has to trump the other stuff so i'm just so fucking in love with reading hickman's fantastic four right now i'm sorry I know. I, I really want to reread that stuff. Please, it seems, it seems, talk about please it. do, you guys. I want to record a podcast on it. It's the definitive Fantastic Four. Like to me, yeah, that's like oh, the continuity is different before and after this. Like, yeah, just like the Grant Morrison run in Batman that kind of changed how Batman operates quite a bit. Yeah, you know? definitely for me. Yeah, yeah, and and I I don't know that anybody would be able to touch it. And I. Would love if Hickman is secretly working on more Fantastic Four. That's <laughs> yeah. all I can think about. But I was reduced to absolute red-faced, ugly, sobbing tears on my couch yesterday morning reading Fantastic Four uh, from Hickman. And I just, if anybody wants to experience a, what I think is truly profound comic book run, you guys should come in and get Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. They just started reprinting it. Plus, Reed Richards is very handsome in that run. It's Salt like, and Pepper Prince. Yeah. He's like Don Draper with rugged uh, five o'clock shadow in the mind of Einstein, who also met Carl Jung, and they, they had a little, yeah, yeah. He's a, That's a great description, Justin. Yeah. Can, I say it? Can I say something? Yeah. I kind of feel that way about you. Oh. <laughs> oh, you, always, you always sort of poop and fart on yourself when I'm trying to show you how much I love you. Yeah, it makes me nervous. Uh, it's worth mentioning that Roman or Justin and I wore matching <laughs> Christmas sweaters all day today of Abraham Lincoln with a Christmas hat on. Yep. And Aww. tried to convince everybody that came in that uh, Abraham Lincoln was the first person to ever make a Christmas tree when he chopped down the cherry tree that he brought home for Martha. My favorite angle was not only convincing him that, but more convincing him that Jeff and I were convinced of that, <laughs> regardless of any other evidence. Like, no, we're right. <laughs> we're kind of uh, right. Did you get pictures? I didn't see these sweaters. I did get a picture. Brett Parker sent me okay, one. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I'll pull it up right now for you. Um, it is also, I just want to really give a quick, Sorry, finish your Marvel 2 and 1. We have to get a uh, I was just going to give it a rating. 8.5. Yeah. 8.5 for wow. 2 and 1. Wow. Um, we want to give a shout-out to Dino Chapman, who wasn't able to make it in today for New Comic Book Wednesday. <sighs> we called him because we were worried, and he's really sick. So, Dino, I hope that you feel better. Uh, comic Book Wednesday wow. is not the same without you. You are a part of our comic family. We do love you dearly, so get yeah. get well soon, and we look forward to seeing you any day that you can get up here for your books. I felt a little hollow not having Dino here today. I know. He is a shiny, shiny uh, yuletide spirit that we see. He's the tree. That Abraham wants to just chop down at the end. And to bring home with him. is Abraham. Yeah. Because he's to, taking Dino from us. Yeah. But anyway, Dino, I really hope you feel better. Um, I like when Justin tea. calls you Dino Chipino. Dino Chipino, you know, my, my good guy. Get some soup and some tea in that Chipino hole. Maybe we'll, for the image of this podcast, we'll do that picture of Justin and I in our Abraham Lincoln sweaters. Yeah. So for anybody yes. who wasn't able to come in, Dino Chipino, that one's for you. Uh, Roman, what is? can you talk about Daredevil really quickly? This is Charles Soule's last issue. It is. Yeah, it's his last. I didn't realize he'd done this for 40 issues I now. skimmed it. Um, this is an amazing issue. I'll say right now, this gets a 10. Wow. Um, 
just because I, and I'm not I'm not gonna I don't want to spoil the no spoil it ultimate thing it. in yeah, it yeah, yeah. yeah spoil it but I think that the interesting the everybody Rowan I'm neutering you I'm sorry we're <laughs> spoiling this book because that's yeah. what I want to talk about really okay yeah yeah I want to know well this has been so good and in this issue I mean the the Kingpin's Mayor of New York. Daredevil, in an earlier issue in the same run, Matt Murdock had established that um, superheroes can testify in court without revealing secret identities. So in this one, he he gets yeah. he, oh, get, he gets uh, evidence given to him, but the Mad Thinker has revealed that the Mad Thinker manipulated the election in New York to for the kingpin to become mayor, and so. They they bring it to court and Daredevil testifies with the thinkers stuff and all these other superheroes show up and testify about the Kingpin's character and all this. Um, and it's really well written all this stuff. And then at the end, Daredevil gets in a fight with the Vigil, who's the Kingpin's like new assassin dude. And this weird thing happens. He beats him. He unmasks him. It's Matt Murdock under the mask, and he touches his face. And then he starts having like this hallucination or something. And you find out the last X number of issues. Matt Murdock, Daredevil, has been on the operating table. They're trying to save his life. He, um, it's like just like Dallas in the '80s. He, all of this previous like issues, in an imagination. It's all, it's all metaphorical. It's all him fighting for his like life on the operating issues table. Issues ago, his brother came back, and Roman was like, "How was his brother? Yeah. His twin brother? Like, oh, this is how yeah, because he back? never existed." Huh. His twin brother was actually Matt Murdock pretending to be his fictional brother for other reasons. <laughs> um, and yeah, none of that was actually happening. It's just huh. all Daredevil. How did he, what happened to him? Uh, I even forget how he ended up here so b- badly. Um, Kingpin is mayor. That actually happened. But I forget what happened to Daredevil that he ended up in the hospital like this. And then at the end of the issue, he dies. Oh, but, no. He, yeah, he does not die. <laughs> well, that's part I don't want to reveal. And, Can he, I do the but reading? he, does, he I... does die, though. He goes flatline. He goes flatline, and then... He there's this wonderful sequence where it's his eyes and all of his different costumes, including the Netflix one, um, <laughs> and he and he's just sort of like, oh my god, like his, his pulse is pounding and he's got this oxygen mask on, and he says, uh, he says, I'm just on a man a man on a table trying not to die. If I do, if I get up off this table, it all starts over again. Fisk is still the mayor. Evil still wants my city, my people. I fight it, it comes back. 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 I fight it, it comes back forever. It never ends. It never ends. And then it's just this gorgeous Phil Noto shot of Karen Page. She says, Karen? And she says, Matt, don't beat yourself up. You did everything you could. Which is like what you need to hear. Like what everyone needs. And then there are... And from your dead, lost love. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I read that. I was like, yeah, I would go with her to the light. <laughs> Four pages of nothing but black. And then I cannot see the light. So I will be the light. I am Daredevil. And then the flat line goes, Beep, and it says, I am not afraid. And it says the end. <laughs> oh. That's yeah. Powerful. That was so powerful. And, and like Soleil says in his goodbye text piece, he talks about how that line... Um, what was it? I will, I will be without fear. I am I will, not I will afraid. Be, yeah, I will be the light. Oh yeah. I cannot see the light, so I will be the light. He writes. Soleil writes in here how you know that's how he wanted to go out with Daredevil. That's the core of, to him, Daredevil's character. And then this leads into the next Daredevil series, going to be the Man Without Fear. 
I'll give the series that I've read, volume two roughly, I will give that a 9.5. It's really nice to see a series like totally stick the landing like that. I, yeah. without having read the whole series, just checked in on random issues um, and loving the art. So I'd always flip through the art because Phil Noto was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have a thing just kill the landing like that because without context even, that's still a really powerful finale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to briefly talk about Return of Wolverine number three by Charles Soule and Declan Shalvey. Gosh, I think he's a good writer. I do not, for the life of me, know why he has been chosen as the ambassador of the voice of Wolverine because I think that he is not suited for it. No. Um, his Death of Wolverine series a couple years ago was not strong. It was meandering. It didn't dig it. Uh, so this has been going um, kind of better than that. The Declan Shalvey art hasn't been nearly as strong as the Steve McNiven to me. I know, like, Braden, for instance, likes this art more, but um, I think this is even, like, pretty shoddy Declan Shalvey art, who I think is a great artist. I like Declan, and I flipped through those issues, and I thought it seemed pretty phoned in. Yeah, which is which is crazy, but I guess the one thing that I do really like about this series is that um, there's a cool aspect of like so wolverine's forgotten his memory again and what's been going on with him and he doesn't remember his buddies and then somebody leads him to believe that nightcrawler is an opponent of his and he shows up and wolverine like the visualization of the internalization of him trying to identify with who he is is he's walking through like a prison and there are visualizations of moments in wolverine's time they're all in cells and there's like uncanny x-force version version of him and there's the the one with the spot on it or the eye patch on his eye patch and then there's like a berserker version of him and they're all like he has this sort of metaphorical key that he's using to unlock those aspects of his personality and they sort of take over who he is while he's sort of this tabula rasa blank slate and I don't know, X-Force 1's like, yeah, he's got these moves that you, like, he subconsciously has built in him, Nightcrawler does, like, he goes back, and then he goes up and down, and then he goes to the left, and, like, even, you know, when he's stressed, he resorts to these, you know that. And so, like, Wolverine's sort of best Nightcrawler, but then the Berserker personality within him is like, let me take over, I know what's going on, and then Patch Guy's like, you want to be real careful with that guy, friend, that's the Berserker, he ain't known for his restraint. Uh, shark in the bloody waters, that one. And, and so he takes over, and the, the cliffhanger is that he's maybe going to beat up the X-Men as this flaming, clawed, berserker Wolverine. And uh, I don't know. I I love comics. I love you, the listener. I want to like everything. This is This one's tough. I don't know why we killed Wolverine, and I don't know why this is why we've decided to bring him back. Like, this story feels pretty hollow to me um it seems that and most people i've heard talk about it seem to be like what the hell is yeah, going on like bring it but i really i it is still a wolverine story so i don't think it's you know i think that you know you might you might dig it but for me it seems like we killed him for sales and we're bringing him back for sales mm-hmm. and i think that you had the opportunity to do a really great goodbye story and i think you had a, the opportunity to do a really great uh bring back story i think they missed it with both I think Charles Soule is a, a very competent writer. I just don't. This doesn't seem like his wheelhouse at all. Uh, the first issue of Dead Man Logan came out this week by Ed Brisson and Mike Henderson. And that was actually much better. I liked it a lot more in terms of a story where we're going to be killing off Wolverine and sort of talking about his legacy and who he is. That, I think, was much better and, you know, sort of 
had just way better comic beats. So I'm glad that Ed Brisson is one of the people who is going to be is is writing the main Uncanny X Men right now. So I give Return of Return of Wolverine number three um, a five point five, and I would give Dead Man Logan one of twelve, uh, probably a seven. Perfectly acceptable yeah. comic book. Pretty pretty darn good. I, I I think that if you like Wolverine and you're looking for a good Wolverine comic, you should check out Dead Man Logan. Uh, that series is going to be 12 issues. Ed Brisson writing it. Cool Mysterio stuff. Mysterio Ooh, really? Ooh. has just got one of the best costumes and shticks in comics, I think. Like, yeah. yeah. Mysterio being talked into like putting his helmet back on and becoming a villain because Lady Sinister convinces him that in the Dead Man or the Old Man Wolverine story, that he convinced Wolverine to murder all of the heroes. Spoilers for Old Man Logan, sorry. Uh, amazing. And to like then bring this version of Mysterio back into the villainous fold by convincing him he's able to do a great thing is is that's a cool story hook. That's cool yeah. writing to me. Mm-hmm. I wish that sort of stuff was present in the soul stuff. Cool. I got to read that Dead Man. So Dead Man Logan, twelve issue miniseries. That's gonna maybe kill off Old Man Logan while Return of Wolverine is returning Logan. Logan. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they're either gonna kill off Old Man Logan or send him back to his timeline, yeah. never to be able to come back again, which seems more likely. But that's that's that. It is interesting because I like Soleil Daredevil. I loved him on that. I I liked his She Hulk. Yeah, his Wolverine stuff. Nah. And no it's just X Men stuff in general. Like he wrote Astonishing, and that was okay at times, yeah. but it, at his best, it was just kind of okay. It sounds like Wolverine's in a real crisis. He's having a hard time. That guy needs some therapy. He's he's like, he's like a hero in crisis. Oh, perfect segue. Person, perfectly acceptable podcast segue. We perfectly, nailed it. Perfectly acceptable segue. Nailed it. God, um, good work, guys. We're done. Yeah, pack it up. Go home. See you next week, folks. That was all we did. Um, although I do think we're gonna have something from Django this week. Just a second before we let's let's waste that perfectly acceptable segue. Oh, and, Django. And uh, like Django, insert big fart sound here. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my buckshot. I read Heroes in Crisis, number three. I would say that the Lee Weeks art deserves some sort of medal. And uh, I like that I like that ending with uh, where, we, where we see Harley with her bloody hammer. Uh, I'm sure you all got more out of that than I did. Also, I read The Return of Wolverine, number three. Uh, I'm glad Declan Shelby's doing the art. Other than that, I'm pretty ambivalent about it. Uh, I'm still totally lost and don't really care for all the stuff that's going on outside of the Wolverine stuff. And uh, as cool as it is to see him get those fire claws, I hope they go away real soon. (laughs) Dead Man Logan, number one. I like that a whole lot. I I like the art a whole, whole lot. And uh, I think that it would be better if he was actually dead instead of not dead in a comic called Dead. (laughs) <laughs> I also read Amazing Spider-Man number 10, and I thought that was pretty solid. I wish that uh, I, I, I wish that they would have discussed things like Felicia not remembering Peter's identity, but knowing that she doesn't remember it a little more often. Kind of like that uh, Jessica Jones book where uh, the, the guy in the jail talked about having uh, memories of the previous world. Anyway, that's a minute and 30 seconds, and I'm done. All right, but just a second. There's an addendum. 
we didn't know any of that that stuff in our review talking about. It, so I I love when I I love the synchronicity of that guy and us. I also fucking love that guy. I love that guy. Hear the rain. Uh, let's hear what he said at the addendum. Oh yeah, I also read Fantastic Four number four. I liked it more than number three. I think that uh, Jeff will be pleased to hear that. I thought a little bit of it was super cheesy, and uh, I'm I'm glad that they're living in that little apartment on Yancey Street, and I'm sure that Roman got a big old Rome bone over that. That is all. Good night. I love that guy. Django never s- ceases to be 100% himself. Like, if you were to... That was the most quintessential Django buckshot. Just like, <laughs> to the point, here's the stuff I like, I don't like. He's honest. I love Django so much. Dude, although I read all of Heroes in Crisis number three and did not register that that was Lee Weeks at I, all. I didn't either. That guy's I'm a got a fucking sniffer. farce. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he, he said that. I, and I claim I love Lee Weeks. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, but Django said that, and I was like, wait a minute, look at the cover. Oh, Weeks. It Holy looks crap. like and the Mikhail like Jan in art, but I it thought, is... Yeah, I thought it was the same artist. Oh, the issue. It was effortlessly similar. Maybe it's helped, helped to be a month away, but probably the same colorist, but that was... Amazing, and I didn't know that. So Django, well done. Well done. Your schniffer is good. It's like he's got a gorgeous schnoz. That yeah, guy, that schnazzer. gorgeous schnoz. What else did he say? I love that he felt that way about Return of Wolverine and Dead Man Logan. Also, sorry to disappoint you. I also didn't particularly care for Fantastic Four. Maybe Roman that Django was the one who really hated that. Like in issue three, they said issue whatever was going to say. Someone hated it. I, I yeah, I think I don't think it was me. I don't remember feeling yeah, that way. It wasn't me. <laughs> Heroes in Crisis number three. What did you guys What did you guys think about this? I fucking loved it. I fucking loved it too. I love this book. I love this book. Give me more dark. I don't. I don't mind. I don't shy away from dark. I but want to dark. me, it's not even more dark. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's not like. That was bad, Roman. Yeah, it was. I just <laughs> thought about the shitty laugh that I just gave you, and I feel bad about having done that. Um, you didn't I don't get even for me. I don't even <laughs> feel like like was this dark or was this just like fucking real? Yeah, it's real, and people can't fucking handle it. Yeah, but it comes from a really like. So everyone's complaining about how dark this book is and the really? death, and yeah, yeah, I talked to a couple people today even about it, and. Like, to me, it's so motivated by trying to empathetically understand people are superheroes as people and trying to expose that they have feelings. And it comes from such a warm, light place that the darkness is to, like, show to get in the deep emotional parts of a superhero and to really empathize with someone and to empathize with concepts and things like i don't know i think it comes from an incredibly compassionate spot yeah i think you you are absolutely right my my feeling of it is just like a hand reaching into the darkness to pull somebody out yep like it this book and particularly this issue really nailed it down to me but it really felt like therapy it felt like somebody who has been to therapy or has needed therapy and understands what somebody in therapy needs like there it's this really real conversation with somebody in pain and it understands the way pain manifests in people in a lot of different ways absolutely and i guess we should just really quickly before we lose everybody just say that like this issue focuses around lagoon boy the wally west flash and booster gold and it sort of depicts their 
final time in Sanctuary before the disaster in issue one that happened. And we sort of learn the mechanisms of Sanctuary and how it works. And it's this, it's Batman using the Kryptonian technology of Superman with the compassion of Wonder Woman to create this perfect environment for people to heal. But it it uses an AI and a computer technology that can physically turn rooms into whatever situation a person desires, basically like the danger room. And I love that it's, I don't like how they reduce Superman to technology, but mm-hmm. it's like how he saw his parents. Like when Jor-El comes as a hologram, that's the technology. Oh, you're right. I didn't even using. realize that. I just phrased it as like mm. because Krypton was so advanced. No, it's the like, hey, talk to your dead parents from yeah. light years away technology. So you're getting to see. But it gives the people there the option to experience what they want. Like, hey, where do you want me to take you? And for Wally West at first, because he was put here because he learned that the world has been turned in rebirth and his wife and his children never existed in this reality. And that's causing him to lose his mind. So he asks or has the computer construct a reality where he's around his children. And then that sort of evolves into a thing where he's going to fight crime with his children. And it's this perfect sort of conversation about almost like drug addiction. Mm -hmm. Like to me, just like what is drug addiction? It's like when we allow a tool to, make us feel the way we want to feel. Because and we then, don't want to do it ourselves. Yeah, or can't do it ourselves. Yeah. And then we rely on it. And But to Lagoon Boy, and I don't know what happened to him, but apparently he was shot through the chest with something, a laser. Yeah. And every moment of his life, he's basically flashing back PTSD, and that seems like the real Tom King sort of PTSD of his CIA time in Afghanistan. Yeah. For sure. But it... Um, He's obsessed with thinking about this laser going through him and the feelings and the pain that he would experience. So he just has it constantly relived through him because at least if it's physically happening to him, maybe one time it won't hurt, which is way worse than the the mental reliving the experience. I got the feeling that he got shot and some other bad stuff happened. Like Mm. he got compromised or something. And so he's (laughs) like the laser going through him is also the guilt that he felt for you know. Yeah, well, there was some reference, something he says, and I didn't read that series where he was part of the Titans. But yeah, he refers to some battle there where I think some of those Titans that he mentions that I've never heard of got killed. Yeah, and so he's and reliving that must be where it happened. That guilt and sad, sad. Man, and yeah, boy. and yeah, when we get to spoilers, Lagoon Boy's, Lagoon Boy's death, the way he died, because he gets hit and, you know, impaled by something like basically where the laser hit him and when he realizes before he falls down he just laughs because it's so ironic ironic, i think that that was a statement on like the things you choose to believe or the things that create your reality like i think yeah he's realized like i spent this whole time obsessing about death and i I got it right where i where i wanted it to me the real crux of the issue was more though the scene where Booster Gold, who has recently checked in, the Sanctuary AI, which mm. I don't know if it's intentional, but to me has a vaguely menacing thing oh, about me too. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the thing that Booster does is he just basically creates a blank room where he's sitting talking to himself. And Booster, like the computer Booster, is is being who Booster would be, but it also maybe recognizes that it is the artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and it's sort of saying like this this is what you came up with it and and all of everything this really i think it this computer having seen so much pain and human weakness it's starting to resent humans and so it's through booster 
that's just like what it seems like he's like because he's talking he's kind of like insulting booster and being like this is all you got but is that yeah and i, I absolutely agree and the, the struggle i have is is that the ai or is that how booster would genuinely right. react to the situation and it can genuinely create booster not affected by tragedy caught having a conversation with him oh that's yeah because it does it does kind of the ai booster does kind of sound more like old original booster from the 80s as opposed to kind of off his nut booster of now <laughs> where where he's kind of a jerk and and yeah kind of broish but i agree i think it's also it's also the AI. The, it's the AI. So, but, like, because you're wondering about that, because it's like, well, this is a Kryptonian technology. What does it know about humans and human trauma? And it's too is powerful. this AI? I mean, yeah. the Eradicator was Kryptonian technology yep. too. I mean, <laughs> and that I think demonstrates Tom King's incredible strength as a writer to get right in that spot between mm-hmm. like he found the gray zone of a gray area. Yeah, this like is that Booster or is that the AI? Like that is. So specific and vague and so just well done. And just, yeah, it's very aware of the character. Like he knows, you know, it's very aware that this is how Booster would be. Define that space is he's got a good sniffer. <laughs> even, the, even the last issue was showing up some of these other characters. And some of them are so obscure. Like I love the fact that he's got Protector in here. Protector mm-hmm. was in that one issue of like like that Just Say No Teen Titans comic in the 80s where they, for some reason, they couldn't use... Robin in it mm. for some legal reason. So instead they created this guy, the protector. And, like <laughs> and that's the only Nark. time he's ever appeared. Nark. And Narc, he's been around before, but not very Also often. to bring up Dino Chipino. Dino Chipino. After issue two came out, he came in the, the, the following week and was like indignant. Like you guys didn't bring up the fact that in issue two, Poison Ivy was murdered. Was she murdered? And I was like, what? And there's that scene of Harley Quinn on the bridge sort of throwing something off and saying goodbye to somebody. And what we learn oh. in this issue is that in common spaces in the sanctuary, if you're worried about your identity being discovered, you can wear these masks and these robes that hide who you are. And in issue one, when we see the body, the dead bodies on the ground, there is somebody in the sanctuary costume. Is that Poison Ivy? We don't know, but she's shown in her introductory thing in issue two, and she's yeah. shown in an interview here, and Harley Quinn says goodbye to her, and behind the curtain, to part the kimono as it were, um, every one of these issues has a variant cover drawn by Ryan Souk that shows a traumatic moment of a hero's life, like Batman's back being broken, Wonder Woman breaking Maxwell Lord's neck, uh, Aquaman's hand being eaten off. The final issue, we have not been exposed to what it is yet. They're keeping it anonymous, and we know it's a Harley Quinn tragedy moment. So at the end of this issue, Booster sees Harley murder Wally West and these people. But in issue one... Harley says she saw Booster murder these people. Mm-hmm. So people are seeing things that are not how they are. Maybe Harley killed Poisey. Poisey. Mm-hmm. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. But like that's Dino Chapino, great reading into a thing. Uh, only Schnauz. Schniffers. Yeah. These schnauzers. We yeah. are surrounded by gorgeous schnauzers. <laughs> Look at these schnauzers. left and schnauzers. That's right. a good schnauzers. That's, That's a good schnauzers. You and I got these little boy schnauzers. No, I'm not, I'm not so good at sniffing it out. As a guy who loves therapy and thinks that everyone would benefit from it and, and you know, going to it myself and – would love to be a practitioner of it for like, you know, scholastically, that's what I've been engaged in. Uh, 
I just thought that this book was so informed by tragedy and how people adapt to it. I've I've never seen a book more apt uh, aptly handle that sort of thing. I absolutely understand this isn't for everybody. It is so for me, and I think also <laughs> yeah. you two guys. Oh, yeah, exactly. definitely. That it is, you know, hard to believe that it's not for everybody because it seems very for the people that I spend my yeah. time with. It, it is hard to believe. I, I even you said earlier, people have been complaining it's too dark, and I. My first thought was dark. It's not dark. Oh well, I guess it is dark. Everybody's getting got murdered, and they're trying to figure it out. But, but it's so fascinating and so so real. It's you real. Said. It's like That's... wow, this really resonates. And it, it, this is like one of the best books coming out right now. Dark Knight Returns. Alan Moore stuff is dark. Yeah. yeah. This is real. Yeah. It it doesn't feel dark for the sake of being dark. It's it feels dark as an exploration of a very present, very real expression of humanity and uh, life that people choose to not acknowledge a ton. A, an inherent part of us is our darkness, and to get to know that is a very powerful thing, and to go into these realms, it's it's a very, very powerful book. Um, the deconstruction of an idol to understand ourselves is why I go to superheroes. I think they're pretty symbolic. And like I was telling Jeff, like deconstructed superheroes is a very niche thing, and only some some do it well. Some comics do it well, and it's hard to say like my favorite type of comics are deconstructed superhero books. But this would I would put this in the realm of like Watchmen, Flex Metallo. Mm -hmm. It's up there for me with like deconstructing an idol to understand deeper parts of myself. Like because an idol is an image we project ourselves on. You know, a personality into yeah. And what are like what were these characters created for if to not tell stories to teach? Like For sure. Mm -hmm. Fiction and entertainment as a result of fiction is the byproduct of fiction that was created to tell stories and teach. Like stories started like the first comic was a cave painting to put it super insultingly, you know? Like yeah. that's they've been around forever and the reason that sort of stuff was to impart wisdom. These mm -hmm. are the children of those stories. So to to have a, a comic be a teaching moment and ex just exactly what you said, like this is the perfect example of deconstruction and, and that's a word that's tossed around so much and I don't necessarily agree with a lot of expressions for what a deconstruct is. For sure. Like I don't, you know, like break just breaking a superhero down isn't a deconstruction. Or just story. being kind of a mean or like overly human humanizing a superhero or just being like, well, superheroes are kind of dumb. Yeah. And that's a lot of people's. But no, this is like really, this is, here's how a superhero is like you to help you deal with these things yeah. because... And here, how this is how you're strong too. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna, yeah. Retroactively through that, you can then see how you can be on the other side of that. Yeah. It's a, it's a teaching book. So I'm... It's dark, but it's so light. Like to me, yeah. it's dark because it's a, a hand reaching into the darkness to help pull you out. Catabasis. You got to go down into the underworld to make yourself stronger and come back Absolutely. out. Absolutely. You got to spend some the time process. in the desert. Yeah, for sure. Um, that said... I'll give it a four. No. <laughs> I'll give it an absolute ten. It is, like I was trying to tell Jeff today, this is in, like, my exact wheelhouse. If I could pick, you know, a handful of books that are like, this is my shit, um, this would be one of them, especially um, as a guy who feels like he needs to go back to therapy. Getting a little release therapy through a book recently has been pretty nice. Yeah, when people come in and I feel like they're looking for someone to agree with them about this being too dark because Jeff Johns was bringing lightness to DC, like... I want to give them what they want, but I also, like, this is so nichely me, and and, and nichely people like me, and, and so many other people, like, it's not me, but it is, you know, very tailored to a type of personality, so I, I really do understand and 
support the people who are not interested in this book because it is a type of book that I don't think is for everybody, but it is for the three people at this table. <laughs> for sure. And I think there are lots of merits to lots of different types of comics, and I can see how this would totally turn people off, but this is why I go to comics, right. and this is why I go to superheroes specifically, um, is, yeah, to deconstruct an idol to understand myself. But, um, yeah, just Tom King, you're so He's good. so good, man. Yeah. Roman, what do you think? Oh, you guys, everything you guys just said, perfect. I, I, I totally agree. I would also give this a 10. I'm, I'm just wondering how come I didn't read this book first, <laughs> this week's books. I was, I was like, it. oh, man, this is so good. I can't, I can't say anything. I can't add to anything you guys said, really. I mean, I agree totally. Hey, Tom King, we're watching you, buddy. You don't yeah. get a big schnoz about it, all right? <laughs> but uh, We know you got a big schnoz in there, though. We like your stank. Yeah. We like your stank, Tom. Um, does anybody else have anything else for this? I mean, I think that's a that was a great I've, inclination, or Justin, to to pause the way to talk about that because I, you know, I loved this book before I talked to you guys, but as so commonly happens, particularly when I talk to you guys and Django, it's like I, I love a thing more when I get to get mm, some of this yeah. out. For sure, I had yeah, a feeling us three sure. boys would want to really um, hound down on it. Yeah, and when people say it's not very light, I kind of just want to extend the challenge of like beneath it there is a bunch of light and it's coming from a light place and in order to get there you have to get through the dark stuff so you know the it gets worse before it gets better so yeah i think that like something like ice cream man i think there's a deep a very deep core level of optimism and through that there's kind of some layers of dark stuff so i want to yeah i would like to if someone says it's super dark for the sake of being dark i would like to challenge that because i think i think it's motivated from one of the most compassionate places i've seen a writer do in a very long time um we gotta get out of here we gotta get out of here you guys i just want to bundle the two of you up into my little knapsack and take you home so i can (laughs) to your sanctuary and uh make you watch me play red dead redemption can we wear masks We have to. <laughs> Sam doesn't let me wear anything but a mask. Hi, like welcome it. home, dear. Here's uh, your mask. I'll open my eyes yeah. when it's on. I, I want to wield the Harley hammer. Oh, she wields the Harley right. hammer. <laughs> she does. Sam's um, law. <laughs> uh, I'm Jeff, and I sure do love these boys and comic books. I'm Justin, and I second that motion. I second I- that emotion. <laughs> I'm Roman, and uh, these guys make me feel like a natural woman. Oh, that was good too. Yeah, you're really good.